You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now, we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. And today we're talking about hunting leases. So it's that time of year where, uh, you know, fall's going to be here before you know it. So if you're looking for a hunting lease, we kind of talk about you know, the leases in general, just, you know, exploring the idea of paying for permission to hunt somewhere versus public ground versus people just letting you hunt. So it's an interesting conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Before we get into that, though, I want to talk about our sponsor, Monster Whitetail Grub. Monster Whitetail Grub is an Ohio company. They, they, they're an Ohio deer feed company and they try to source everything from Ohio. So the ingredients that they use to make their feed, the packaging that they package their product in, they source from Ohio. So I really like that about the company. And most importantly, they make a really good product. We've had really good success with their, their signature monster white tail grub feed, which is a high protein feed. It's got loose mineral mixed right into it. You can get all kinds of different additives, like you can get whole peanuts added into it, things like that. So we've had really good luck with that. You can get flavored corn. So it takes standard corn, which we all know deer like, and kind of kicks it up a notch. And then you can get just straight mineral. So whatever you need, they have it. Check them out, Monster Whitetail Grub. Go to ohiohuntsman.com sponsors, and there'll be a link there to get in touch with them. And order some of their stuff. Now let's get into the conversation about leasing. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman podcast. Are you listening? All right, so 
this week we're going to talk about uh, hunting leases. It's kind of it's kind of that season, really. I mean, <clears throat> now would be a good time to be kind of researching properties and and trying to identify if you're looking for a place to hunt in the fall. You don't want to wait until until uh, deer season opens up to be to be doing that, or is you know a couple days away. If if you've you know if you can kind of get ahead of it, you'll have plenty of time to research properties, identify properties you know, that sort of thing. So thought it would be a, a good time to discuss something like this and maybe some of the pros and cons of, of leasing versus uh, just flat out getting permission. Um, there's a, it's, a, it's a big topic, lots of different ways to go with it. So we'll see where the, the conversation sort of takes us. Um. <clears throat> You know, leasing is one of those things that, that uh, at least I've seen, you know, it, it can be very sort of divisive online as far as like, oh, I hate, you know, oh, everything's leased up. I hate this. Or, you know, it's just the way it is. You got to pay to play. Um, is that what you guys see? Yeah, leasing is very divisive and i mean my my personal feelings about it is you know i i'm very divided on it yeah. you know because it's it's a really leasing i i think is kind of an ugly side of hunting you know like it's it it cheapens it a little bit um but also if you want to have a place to hunt where you're not overrun by other hunters and, uh, you know, the landowner should be able to get something out of the use of their land, too. You know, right. you want to encourage them to keep their natural areas natural or, you know, whatever the area that you want to hunt. Keep it the way, you know, keep it in a way to attract animals. Um you know, so it's I'm I'm divided on it because it, it's you know things things definitely aren't the way they used to be in the good old days. Yeah, and you know one way like me personally that I kind of you know explore ideas and and try to figure out how I feel on them is take it to the extremes, right? Like, well, what if only way that you could, you know, what if every property in order to hunt on it, you had to pay a lease or what if leasing was illegal and you either had to hunt public or you had to get permission from somebody to hunt on their, on their property. The problem with that is <laughs> you end up, if that's the only tool you employ, or the risk with that is, you know, you end up in these very sort of black and white, good, bad, left, right, kind of like, you know, where, where uh, the current state of politics sort of feels like you're either on our team or you're not, you know, like it, it sort of leads that direction. So it's a good way to kind of 
explore the idea, play with it in your head, but there's also a lot more nuance to it, right? I mean, like, there's more... um, uh, there's more shades of gray than that. Right. And I think it's a good thing, right? Like, cause, cause Jeff, you mentioned like a landowner should be allowed to get compensated for allowing you, I mean, any other thing they do, right? Like, Oh, I'm going to agree to put this part of my farm in CRP. It doesn't benefit me. It benefits the greater good, the, the ecosystem, whatever. I'm going to get compensated for that. Or, you know, I'm going to plant crops because I'm then going to harvest those crops and sell those crops, or I'm going to have a pasture and I'm going to, you know, feed cattle or whatever. Anything else they do, they're compensated in some way. They're going to they're going to let timber grow and cut timber. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's lots of examples where they're where they're compensated, but if everybody went that route i also don't you know because then you're 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 ruling out it becomes a a a wealthy person's endeavor and i guess you could say well everybody else could hunt public but you know we all know where that leads right if you start taking it to the extreme lease prices are going to go up and up and up as as demand goes up and you're going to you know you're going to end up with businesses leasing because they've got deeper pockets and you know it kind of gets into uh, uh, another unfavorable outcome right well I mean but I guess devil's advocate on that conversation or the flip side is there's obviously different quality and level of ground so right. if everybody decided you know, I'm the all powerful. And I say, starting today, everyone to hunt on land, it has to either be public or a lease. You know what I mean? You're not going to be able to charge supply and demand. Yep. So like you can't, if I got garbage land, I'm not going to be able to charge much. No one's going to pay it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because that's a good point. So, not that you still couldn't kill deer on it, but you're not going to grow trophy bucks, the Boone and Crockett bucks. So those leases that grow the big deer, the big chunks of land, the big tracks, the areas that are in good management where the neighbors all get along and decide we're going to pass, you know, anything under three years or whatever. Pick your number. Yeah. Um, those leases are going to go for more, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you won't be able to still lease land i mean you could still lease a farm field somewhere that you know everybody if it's brown it's down and fill your free you know i don't know so like you said it's gray it's gray but by (laughs) but by charging any any amount you're going to exclude some Some portion of the population correct yeah right I mean, they've already got to come up with money for ammo and license and tags and, you know, I mean, so. Yeah, yeah, that's there, true. There will be some people that just can't. Can't, right. But to your point, I mean, that's a good point that it, you know, it's not all going to be 
whatever thousand bucks an acre or you know whatever you know i don't know thousand bucks an acre is probably a lot of money for a lease that's probably not the going rate (laughs) but but uh you know it's not all going to be this is the price to lease any ground right the free market's going to do what the free market's going to do and different areas and different habitats and you know different hunting quality is going to warrant higher prices or lower prices right and i mean again piggybacking off i guess what jeff said though too like i don't see any way in a free market that we can eliminate leases because there's people willing to pay it right so how can you tell a landowner no you're not allowed to capitalize on someone's interest to hunt deer on your property right you know like i that's not the country we live in (laughs) yeah you know i mean it's so I, I, but I'm, I'm torn too, though. You know, I'm not, I don't want all the land to be bought up by business in the business of leasing. You know what I mean? Like big companies with big pockets come in and buy up all the old farms and then charge a lease fee on it just because they can afford it and can pay more for it than you and I. But we want to buy it, you know, to whatever, leave a legacy for our kids or, you know, three brothers in this case want to get together and buy 100 acres to try our hand at habitat improvement or whatever. But we're going to get outbid by whoever who's got millions of dollars who can take the loss for five to 10 years until they recoup it through lease fees. Right. You know, I don't well, want to see it go to that. <laughs> yeah. But I guess like to devil's advocate that and just add to the gray, right? What if what if you and I were to, you know, we had deep pockets, we decided, you know what we're going to do? In order, you know, we're hunting numbers are dwindling in order f- to make it easier to for people to find places to hunt, we are going to go out, make the phone calls, make the relationships, and lease. We're not, we're not necessarily going to buy land, but we're going to approach farmers, landowners, and say, hey, we, we'll pay you X dollars to lease the hunting rights for your property. And then we're going to start up a, whatever, let's call it Zillow for hunting property. And you just go in, you put your criteria, how many acres you're looking for, how, you know, what's your price. You got all the filtering tools, what area, how far from your home, you know, what kind of habitat are you looking for? We, we, we make it very easy for people to find ground and then we, you know, sort of sublease it to them. We provide, um, you know, some sort of, uh, insurance or protection the 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 individual hunter doesn't have to go out and make the relationships with the farmer we've already done that they just got to get online it's very transactional quick and easy and now people can find places to hunt as easy as getting on shopping for a house is that a bad thing? 
Uh, <laughs> uh, it, Did like I just unleash said, an idea that may... Yes, uh... you just unleashed <laughs> an idea. You know what I mean? Like, because what? I don't have the pockets to do that. But um, yeah, well, I mean, I'm with you, though. Like, that really muddies the water because I'm 100% a believer of the American dream, if you're willing to work hard enough and come up with the idea, you deserve to profit from it. And if you can make that work and it becomes a effective business for you, I I don't see how I can say that's a bad thing. But from the hunter side of things and the idea of not wanting to spend people out of the sport, it's already dwindling on its own. Right. It can be a bad thing for hunting. <laughs> I, but it also could be a good thing because maybe some people don't hunt because they just don't know where to hunt. Right. Or, you know, they don't, people don't make relationships anymore. People don't talk to each other. It's all through the computer. So maybe that gets more people into hunting. If they can just book this 200 acres for this three day weekend. Just like a hotel, I'm going to yeah. go, this is mine. I'm going to get these 200 acres of prime real estate for $500 a night, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, two, yeah. pick a number. Maybe an hotel Airbnb price. for hunting is a better example than, right. than Zillow. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Well, you can right. find the, that on Airbnb. Where? Oh, you can. It's Yeah, it's my cabin, and I have you know x number of acres and it's yours to use if you want to hunt it you can hunt it Mm. those exist on on listings you know i don't know how popular they are getting booked for hunting but they're there or you know i own this cabin that butts up the national forest or whatever state land you know so it's not necessarily private hunting but it's you know i have access from a different way than the general public does you know those exist yeah but also jason with your idea maybe that's something that state game agencies should be more proactive about doing like you know will maybe it's just give you a break on your taxes you know your property taxes if you allow you know and then the state game agency you know for whatever state in our case the odnr you know then manages a a lease system or a lottery system you know maybe it's they make it public hunting but through like you know a lottery system yeah. Or, you know, because that, you know, that could be good for conservation because they, you know, they could say, well, we'll give you a break on your taxes on your property or whatever. But you have to, you know, do X, Y and Z on your property and, you know, allow hunting. And it, you know, would increase hunter numbers and increase the, you know, make that property being managed appropriately appropriately for wildlife or for conservation you know so uh there's 
there's definitely something to landowners being able to receive a benefit for the use of their land and uh you know doing things that are good for conservation but also it's you know the the hunting heritage in this country is not one of the aristocrats being the only ones allowed to hunt you know that's what makes you know hunting in america better than in europe because you know in europe it's a a very elite thing to do you basically have family hunting grounds that go back for you know hundreds of years in some cases and if you don't have it then you don't have it you know you have nowhere to hunt it's only the rich or the people whose families you know made decisions hundreds of years ago right yeah that's a good point and it's a different system it's a different model here it's a different we come from a different uh a different heritage like you said right yeah Jeff, the I just thought of this as the only problem with the government, so to speak, getting involved or the ODNR is how do you do population management then? You know what I mean? Like I yes, I enroll my program or my land, so I get a tax break, but I can't let someone come in every weekend and shoot a deer. They'll wipe them all out. <laughs> You right. know, if it's if I'm in control of my listing, I can just stop posting it after my quota, whatever that is for my property. You know, depending how big your property is, 10 deer, whatever comes off of your 100 acres and you, that's it. You want to close it because you don't want to wipe them out. But if well, you get the ODNR I mean, involved, how does that if if they're managing it? I mean, they could manage it in the same way. You know, they could tell you know say we we set a quota for your your property of five deer this year when five deer are taken that's you know that's the end um you know and they i mean they can do whatever they want they can design it however they they deems most beneficial yeah i mean because they're not controlling that today right controlling it by county i mean i guess that would be a a potential benefit of something like that to where they could manage on a much more um you know with much more precision you know a a scalpel like precision instead of you know grenade (laughs) We need to pause here and talk about our sponsor, Mastin's Deer Scents. Mastin's is a great scent company, and not only do they have deer scents, but they also have predator scents. And the other thing that I, I really like about Mastin's is some of the unique products they have, as well as their prices. Their prices are really good. So 
they've got scented gel crystals they've got scented candles like deer scented candles that you can use in their double scent stacker which allows you to layer scents and and warm the scents which makes them more realistic and and helps the scents carry so lots of cool stuff check them out go to mastinsdeersense.com see what they have to offer order right from the site and they'll ship it right to your house so check them out mastinsdeersense.com i mean because that's one negative thing to you know actually just leasing your property for hunting you know especially when you're just giving someone you know the rights to hunt your property you know you're basically they're signing over you know they're buying the hunting rights for that years they can do whatever they want basically to your deer herd you know within legal limits but they could really do some damage and basically come in one year wipe out your deer herd and then move on to a different lease next year and it'll take your property years to recover right yeah i mean you could combat that you know because at least you can make the lease agreement whatever you want right right Right. traditionally they're not you know traditionally there's you know not anything in the lease agreement you know they're not that stringent right you know they're basically you're purchasing you know you pay me my three thousand dollars and you can hunt whatever you want to hunt for this calendar year right right while obeying all state and local laws right right yeah now does does do you guys know does paying because i know the lease we have right there's a lot of um uh, like insurancy lawyer language about you know we're not responsible for you getting hurt there you know like does does a paying um transaction change things at all in that regard yes uh from an insurance background my my wife works in agricultural insurance she insures farms um and at least in ohio um Ohio has what is called a recreational use exemption. Um, And basically what it is, is if someone is using your property that is not your home or your yard for recreational use, um, you basically have no duty to keep them safe. Like if they get hurt, using your you know unless you're very uh negligent i mean obviously you can't i you know i don't know have uh a punji pit or something on your property (laughs) but if it's if they're basically if you're in good faith you know like the property is reasonably safe like they're exempt from liability for injury um now while 
paying doesn't completely eliminate that, it does complicate that. When someone is paying you for a service, like you have a duty to make the property safe. So, okay. and and honestly, you can word your your contract however you want. It doesn't really save you much. Like you that that the wording in most lease contracts doesn't really protect the person who's leasing it or who's the leaser or the lease yeah leaser uh much more than state law does because you know you they're paying you for a service and you're responsible to make sure that that your property is reasonably safe so uh, you you are on the hook a little bit more liability wise if you are getting paid than if you just open you know it's a non cash transaction so i guess i'm trying to like sort that out in my yeah in my brain so let's say you are paying for a lease and you fall out of a tree stand and get hurt badly. Lots of hospital bills. Lawyers get involved and they say, oh, you were hunting on a lease. Oh, we're going to name them in a, oh, whatever, some sort of a yeah lawsuit. Is that like yeah. how that would? And, yeah. And I mean, a lawyer is probably going to name every party possible in a lawsuit. You know what I mean? They're they're not just going to go after one person. They're going to go after everyone. Right. You know, so they would go after, you know, the, the the landowner that you were leasing from. And they'd go after the tree stand manufacturer and the safety harness manufacturer. Even if you weren't, you know, if you didn't use your safety harness like you, you know, you didn't they didn't use it because you made it too overly complicated. I mean, they're going to, mm. they're going to name everyone. Right. Okay. You know, it's, you cast a wide net and hoping that you catch someone. Um, <coughs> but another liability thing with hunting to pay attention to is a lot of people won't allow you to hunt because they're afraid of, what you're going to do you know like it what if you shoot someone on my property like that could come back on me or what if you shoot my livestock or you shoot someone else's livestock or shoot someone else's house like that's going to come back on me as the landowner mm -hmm. where yes it could but also Anyone who owns a home um, typically has that in, they have general liability tied up in their homeowner policy. Um, as, so the hunter, if they own a home or have renter's insurance, um, have general liability insurance that covers them for just their general liability. Like, 
if they do if they, something that harms someone, even if they're not on their own property. Oh, okay. You know, if if you were to go to public land and shoot another hunter, um, well, it, I mean, that that might be deemed as criminal. You know, there's some criminal, you know, which they might, sure, your insurance yeah. might try to fight that because, I mean, but uh, if you were to cause harm, your your liability insurance that would would be on the hook for that. So that's something to kind of help, you know, if you tell landowners like, hey, I can't really sue you, like the state protects you from me suing you. And if I screw up, I'm insured for that. Like that might help you get permission. Right. That's because that's usually the big thing that people are worried about. That protection is is included in that exemption from liability to recreational users clause in the Ohio Revised Code, right? Right. I mean it's, it's hunting is hunting and fishing is specifically stated in in the exemption um and then case law has expanded it to include more stuff like horseback riding and baseball like stuff like that but hunting and fishing is specifically stated okay yeah i actually uh when asking for permission you know if i'm sending letters to landowners that i don't know personally i i found somewhere along the way a like a permission slip it's got the od or i guess the division of wildlife's logo on it and it actually cites that section of the ohio revised code right on it you know and gives basically makes it clear that the owner well i guess i can just you know i'll just read that section where it sort of uh, exempts them from liability. It says, um, actually, no owner, leasee, or occupant of the premises assumes responsibility for or incurs liability for any injury to person or property caused by any act of a recreational user. So that, that would basically be that example you gave if you were hunting on their property and, you know, shot something caused caused injury to person or property the landowner is not re- not responsible for the act of that recreational user aka hunter so right but, and that's actually i mean that's actually been not that i've you know reached out for a ton of permission but i mean that that seems to be like you said jeff that that's certainly yeah. a helpful tool to make it make them aware because, you know, I would bet nine times out of ten, a landowner doesn't know that that right. exemption exists. Yeah. But it's also another good tool. You should add in there that you're insured. Right. You know, tell them that while you're not on the hook, I'm also insured. So if I if I do cause, you know, harm to your property or whatever, like. I, I have insurance to cover it. I, right. And another thing is you can buy insurance policies like for 
hunting. Um, and most of the time they're a scam unless you literally have no other insurance. You know, like you're you don't have homeowners insurance or you don't have renters insurance. Okay. Um, because they're a secondary policy to those policies and those policies would cover the you know, what you would they basically cover it and the, you never that insurance company would never actually get pulled in to the to paying for anything. This is totally, I mean, it's the same vein, but not related to this topic, but I'm going to bring it up. Is that the same thing with like um, rental car insurance that they try to sell you when you rent a car? Yeah, almost always. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to because every time we go to rent a car, you know, we don't rent cars that often, but. You know, we call our insurance company and was like, hey, we're going to rent a car, you know, and they're like, yeah, you're you're covered. You're, you're the insurance you are already paying for covers you in a rental car as well. Yeah. I mean, unless you have like the worst cut rate insurance possible. Yes. Yeah. Don't take legal or uh, yeah. <laughs> insurance yeah. advice from us, but uh but yeah, you that's should, been my experience. Yeah. If if you call. <laughs> that's yeah, that's yeah. the simplest answer. Especially if you get your insurance through an agent. You know, it's not you're not going straight to the source. You're you have a insurance agent. Um that's basically what that an agent gets paid to do is sell and inform you about your insurance. Yeah. So make them earn that money. Call, call that agent up and ask the questions. You know, in this situation, am I covered? In that situation, am I covered? Right. Yeah. Okay. So back so, to leases. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A little sidebar there, but. <clears throat> yeah. I see. I. My big thing is I think. Leases have gotten too carried away. There's there's not enough leases, like there's a shortage of leases. And those leases are too expensive, basically. You know, people have, I mean, because people are willing to pay it. They just want a lease, so they're willing to pay whatever it costs. Right. Um, so there's this exorbitant price for hunting leases yeah i you know on one hand it's like you know that idea of like a marketplace for hunting leases could be good for that you know like make it easy for landowners to list their property as a place where you could lease the hunting rights the problem is, you know, if it, uh, or I guess the potential problem is then you, uh, you know, I would imagine you would start to see an increase in people like, crap, I've been letting this guy hunt for free for the past 10 years. There's this new thing where all I got to do is list my, you know, my property and I get a, you know, guy shows up and hunts and I get a check in my whatever my venmo my paypal my checking account you know i just money shows up 
Yeah. You know, it's it feels like it could drive more people to the leasing model, more landowners to the leasing model. Right. And I guess kind of in the same vein, like if someone is letting you hunt their property for free or for, you know, uh, a share of the venison or I don't know, a handshake. Uh, for two boxes of Girl Scout cookies, I think that's usually the going rate with our grandma. She <laughs> she charges two boxes of Girl Scout cookies. Yeah. Um, you know, treat that land very well because, yeah. I, you know, I they're really providing you with a service that is worth a lot of money. So treat treat the land well don't leave your garbage you know uh, pick up other garbage that you know happen to blow on there or yeah don't damage their crops yeah i mean if you especially if you're a person i mean everybody should do that but if you're a person who like you know if i have to pay to hunt i just can't hunt then you need to cherish those those lease or uh that hunting permission and you know try to compensate them in other you know like jeff said sharing the the venison or whatever venison turkey squirrel you know whatever it is your your hunting your your harvest share that with them if they're interested if they're not you know around the holidays you know try to keep them in mind you know whatever fruit basket something to to show your appreciation if you, you know, if it's a, uh, a property that is, you know, being farmed or there's some, you know, chores that need done, you know, if you can't afford to pay, well, maybe you can afford to pay with your time and your, you know, your sweat equity. The, a lot of times that may go, you know, it's like, yeah, okay. You know, a couple hundred bucks in my pocket's nice and all but really i need somebody to help me cut and bale hay or you know whatever whatever the the thing is that they need done on their property or you know in that case like you know like grandma you know maybe you hey you know i'm gonna be out to hunt when i get done you know if there's anything you need done you need you know the pine needles cleaned out of your gutters or the, you know, <laughs> whatever, just try to be, be helpful because you don't want somebody to come knocking and say, Hey, I'll pay to hunt here. But that means you got to, if anybody else is hunting, you know, you got to kick them off. <clears throat> you know, they may, if, if, you know, I obviously money talks, but if you've been helpful and, they've developed a, you know, rapport with you, a relationship with you. You're friendly. Eh, you know, I got a guy that hunts We're you know, we're good friends now. He helps out. She helps out, whatever. It can save you from losing a property to somebody who comes with a checkbook in hand. Yeah. I mean, I think again, like you said, money talks. So within reason, I mean, I don't think, you're gonna if someone walks up to your landowner and says 
I saw a 200 class buck on this property. I'm giving you $10,000 and I'm hunting that deer. I, right. They're probably going to be like, dude, okay, it's yours, man. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, if it's the 50 acre woodlot that, like you said, you know, the guy's only going to give them, offer him 200 bucks, 300 bucks. Well, I mean, 300 bucks is, 300 bucks but at the same time like i got a guy he stops by every day you know every time he hunts he always stops in we talk for a half hour tells me about the hunt keeps an eye on the property helps me with chores like to me that's worth more than 300 bucks so right not interested (laughs) you know so sometimes you're like you said your friendship your sweat equity putting the you know if you just go every time and never even wave on your way in or out, then you're not really putting your best foot forward to prevent them from taking, you know, anyone can come hunt my land and just drive in, drive out wherever. Right. If, if they're going to give me 500 bucks. On, right. Right. If they're going to give me 500 bucks on top of it, I'm going to take it. Right. But you know, a lot of people that allow hunting on their property, they, either used to hunt there, you know, if it's an old woman or whatever, her husband used to hunt. They like the old hunting stories. They like the, you know, so if you stop in and say, you know, oh, saw this, saw that, you know, remember that one time I shot this on your property and you had to whatever, get the tractor to help, you know, they, they want to rehash that stuff. They're, everybody's looking for a friend, so to speak. Yeah. You know, so I think that goes kind of a long way that, or I remember, and it's a little different because it's family, you know, like our grandpa, but when grandpa was still alive, like he wasn't hunting, but I was running trail cameras and we were hunting and I'd always share the trail camera pictures with him. I'd stop in, show him what I got on the camera because he wanted to know. Yeah. He was too old to hunt anymore, but he still liked to see big bucks. Who doesn't? (laughs) Yeah, you know so that kind of stuff like oh you wouldn't believe what i got on your camera and show them or whatever it is you know i mm-hmm. one point i had a like a hawk or something come down and nail a squirrel and it got caught on camera like so i showed it to them like they like to see that stuff it's cool stuff <laughs> yeah so yeah so I don't know anything, any other sort of veins or avenues you guys want to go down on this one. You think that's a good place to wrap it up? I guess I just reiterate that. Yeah. Like if, if you're hunting on property and you're not paying to be there, whether it's public land, whether it's private land that someone lets you hunt for free, uh, just, treat that property very well you know uh, clean up after yourself clean up after others be mindful of any damage that you're causing yeah and because you you just you don't want to do anything to take you know lose any opportunities Yeah, for sure. So. 
All right. Hopefully that was an interesting conversation for you. Maybe gets the wheels turning and uh, I guess just gets you thinking. So if you're looking for a lease, like I said, you know, now's a good time to be doing your homework on that and and exploring your options and what's out there because you don't want to get to, you know, September 15th and be scrambling to uh, set something up. So now's a good time to be getting into that and uh, doing your homework and getting getting things lined up. So with that, I'm going to sign off. We'll talk to everybody next week. As always, thank you for listening. Subscribe to the show if you aren't already and follow us on social. We're Ohio Huntsman on Facebook and Ohio Huntsman underscore podcast on Instagram. And with that, we'll talk to everybody next time. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.